Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It's May the 17th, 2023. The Orioles are 27-15 and 15 on the season after a 7-3 victory over the Angels on Tuesday night, evening this four-game series at one game apiece. The Orioles are now on pace through 42 games to win 104 games over the full season. I gotta say, I'm still gonna be taking the under on that, but every win is sweet and... You know, the more that the Orioles are able to uh, beat some of the good teams in the league, the more that it's maybe going to seem like they can keep going way over what anyone would have expected for them, even if you were kind of optimistic before the season. And so the Orioles are now uh, six and five at the halfway point uh, through the 22 game stretch against teams that were 500 or better at the start of it. So as I've said before, I certainly hope they can go better than 3-8 and eight over the last 11 games to exceed what I maybe pessimistically put out as 9-13 and 13 as a hopeful uh, record over that stretch. It would certainly feel disappointing if they cannot at least uh, exceed that by a couple of wins. So in Tuesday's win... A big night for the three Ryans on the Orioles as all of or both of Mountcastle and O'Hearn hit home runs and Ryan McKenna also delivered a double and later scored a run. 
Mountcastle's home run was his team-leading ninth on the season. No other Orioles player currently has more than six home runs, so in terms of home run power, it's really Ryan Mountcastle and no one else even in the conversation so far. Another good development in the Tuesday game, CNL Perez threw two scoreless innings to give some hope that he's back on the right track, but unfortunately, it's going to take more than one outing with two scoreless innings to fully get me believing in that for Perez, because I'll tell you why. He entered that outing with a whip over two. That's walks and hits per innings pitched, basically base runners per inning, and if your whip is over two, that's pretty bad. And, you know, if you have to celebrate that a reliever got his whip under two, that's also pretty bad. Although good for Perez, he did get it under two with those two scoreless outing, uh, innings. So hopefully he can keep going with that. The Wednesday matchup for the Orioles is going to have Kyle Bradish as the starting pitcher. He'll be looking to build off his last good start versus the Pirates. And, you know, he's going to be facing his former organization as the Angels were the team that drafted Braddish originally out of the uh, in the fourth round of the 2018 draft. So I doubt that is going to give him too much extra motivation, but I guess every little bit helps. The starting pitcher for the Angels and the Wednesday game is scheduled to be Griffin Canning, who has a 6.38 ERA through his five starts this season. That sure means me, the Orioles better beat up on that guy. No guarantee that is what is going to happen, but hopefully it is a good sign that the Orioles will be able to uh, pound on him a bit. I got to tell you, friends, it's a good thing that the Orioles won this uh, game on Tuesday night because I think people would have been getting pretty grumpy about the Orioles after what happened with Grayson Rodriguez's bad start on Monday night. If that was followed up by a loss on Tuesday, and then suddenly the Orioles have lost three in a row. I think that would have had people justifiably grumpy about the immediate direction of the Orioles. But fortunately, they won on Tuesday, snapped that losing streak before it could reach three games. Always good to be back in the win column. Not so good is that Grayson Rodriguez has a 6.57 ERA through eight big league starts. It's, uh, It's really just not what I hoped for from him at this point. I don't think that he needed to immediately look like a Cy Young contender as soon as he showed up, but the number of games where he's just really had clunkers is disappointing. I don't know what needs to be done about it. It certainly looks like command problems are continuing to bite him, and so batters are just able to wait out, uh, pitches that end up right in the strike zone because he needs to throw a strike or else be issuing walks. And they're hitting those baseballs really far sometimes, as we saw in Monday's game when Shohei Otani took Rodriguez deep 456 feet, nearly onto the shed of Boog's Barbecue at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, which is simply absurd. It was only uh, only prevented from going out into the Boogs area because it hit one of the uh, pieces of the the large kind of fence doors that the Orioles have out there uh, that are closed off in the right center field area. If it hadn't struck one of those, it was going to go onto Utah Street. 
in the Boog stand area. You know, you could have put down the plaque and it would have been covered up by the concession, which is honestly ridiculous. But that was how bad of a pitch it was and how good of a pitcher, uh, how good of a batter Shohei Otani is. So what 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 needs to be done about Rodriguez? I don't know. I I really I'm I'm hoping that the Orioles are able to keep him in the rotation. I'm holding my breath that it starts getting better for him soon. But you know, if it keeps going, I I I don't know how you can continue to put him out there when the team is trying to win games right now, and it looks like there is stuff he needs to work on. It, especially because I what the reason why I'm keeping him there is. I don't think that the immediate answer is sitting in AAA for someone to replace him in the rotation. You might have thought, okay, maybe they'll swap him with D.L. Hall, the Orioles' other top pitching prospect, except he is now, as of Tuesday night, undergoing what uh, the team told beat reporters is an intentional deload that will now have his uh, work schedule just going like once per week as a plan. It seems like they are maybe doing this to kind of limit his innings. So that certainly doesn't make it seem like he's an imminent answer to come up and take a spot in the starting rotation. So you could say, okay, maybe it's the other lefty, Cole Irvin, who is now on the Orioles' active roster, hopefully is still by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, The Orioles summoned him to kind of be long relief insurance uh, before... Tuesday's game against the Angels, and they probably will keep him in that role for a little while. But if he's here as a long relief guy, he could be slid into the rotation as needed. I don't know. Uh, I guess you could maybe call up Drew Rahm, who appeared for a couple of games over the weekend. Well, he was on the roster, but did not appear in a game, so he hasn't made his MLB debut yet. He's been getting decent results at AAA Norfolk so far. Um, I am certainly not at the point of thinking like Bruce Zimmerman needs to come up and replace Grayson Rodriguez, but I, you know, something needs to get better eventually. And I really hope it can just be Rodriguez pitching better because I don't really want to think about what it's going to mean for the next few years for the Orioles. If Rodriguez is not able to figure something out or, you know, the Orioles aren't able to help him figure something out, that would really be a bummer. You know, speaking of bummers, uh, right now the Orioles have two relievers who are down in the minors making rehab outings. Uh, that's Dylan Tate and Michael Givens. And, you know, I really um, I really committed the error of believing the player when Dylan Tate told reporters that he was only going to need five to six rehab outings to get himself in shape to start pitching in big league games. And... Tate's rehab, it's really gone poorly in terms of his results. Uh, Every level of the minors that he has pitched, that included Tuesday night where he pitched for the AAA Norfolk Tides. He gave up four runs on six hits while retiring just one batter. So that really sucks. Tate has really not been good at all uh, in any of his starts. He's now made, well, not starts, but he's now had eight rehab outings when he said he would need six. He hasn't really been good in pretty much any of them. So doesn't seem like his return should be imminent. And maybe neither should be Michael Givens, who, although he did follow Tate with one and two thirds scoreless innings, uh, I saw it reported that he was hitting 90 miles an hour with his fastball. Last year, he averaged 93.5 miles an hour, so it doesn't seem like Givens is 
uh, heading for an imminent return either. I guess that's okay. The Orioles' bullpen is not terrible. Austin Voth has settled down. He was kind of the one guy I was worried about. Um, Well, Perez has been the bigger problem guy, and he is fresh off a good outing, so maybe he's heading in the right direction. Uh, Guys like Danny Colomb, Brian Baker, Mike Bauman have had some problems, but, you know, you don't want to shuffle them to the side if Tate and or Givens are getting lit up in their rehab outings. So I don't know. I guess to me, it's kind of a a long tradition in my Orioles fan adult lifetime. I, I don't know why I remember this. It's my brain is full of useless information, but just I distinctly remember in the 2007 season, the Orioles had some early bullpen problems and Rock Kubatko, who was an Orioles beat writer then as he was now, put out a blog post where he said something like, and don't forget about Todd Williams, who's going to be back from a rehab assignment soon, as if Todd Williams, the guy who once gave up the hit to Miguel Cabrera while he was attempting to intentionally walk Cabrera, was going to be the answer. You know, Williams came back in that 2007 season after about a month and he posted a 7.53 ERA over 14 games and was released in June. Really, the Orioles would have been better off forgetting about Todd Williams, but they didn't. We all have to remember Todd Williams. I hope that is not the fate that is coming for Dylan Tate, who just, he, he doesn't have it. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the forearm injury that he's working his way back from has more lasting effects than anyone wants to believe. I don't know, maybe uh, general mercurial nature of relievers from year to year has just struck Tate so that, you know, he's just not going to be as good this year. I don't know, but, you know, you can't put a guy who's getting absolutely torched in his minor league rehab starts back into the bullpen and, you know, put him back in the uh, late inning high leverage spots. What's going to happen there? I I don't know, but uh, it certainly seems like it was premature to assume, okay, Tate and Gibbons are just going to be sliding back in after, you know, a week and a half of uh, their rehab assignments, which I will admit I was assuming I was wrong. My bad. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So I'm going to dip into the mailbag, and this one comes from Camden Chat reader, the Madman of Birdland. You might be wondering why he has that name. I will tell you. That is because back before the 2012 Orioles wildcard winning season, when nobody expected good things from the team that year, the Madman of Birdland, before the season even began, made the prediction that the Orioles were going to win at least 90 games. He seemed like a crazy person. You would have had to be crazy to believe before that season even began that the 2012 Orioles were going to win 90 or more games. But I guess many prophets seem mad until or unless their prophecies come true. Madman of Birdland, his prophecy did come true. The 2012 Orioles season was pretty fun. So, Madman, thank you for your question. Madman asked this, who do you think will be the Orioles All-Star this year? And he also wanted to know, how many multiple All-Stars do I think are on the team now? So, this year, I think, I do think we're going to be fortunate enough to see multiple Orioles All-Stars. I think the team is doing pretty darn well, and there are a number of players who are excelling, and I think a case could easily be made for them. I don't think it's going to be gobs of guys, but I do think they'll get two. I think Adley Rutschman, pretty much a shoe-in as catcher, a catcher for the American League. Hopefully uh, other teams' fans are intelligent enough to vote for him as the starter. But if they don't, he should be an easy choice as a reserve. He's just been great. And uh, I think the other one at this point looks like probably Yenier Cano. He's just been so amazing. There is certainly precedent to have non-closer uh, relievers make the roster, and I think when you have someone like Cano with a 0.00 ERA in as many games as he's pitched through mid-May with, you know, seeming like there's no uh, no no end in sight for that, uh, unless he totally, like, falls apart in June, which would suck a lot for Orioles and their fans, I think he's going to be... Well, I, I think right now he's on track to get into the bullpen for the All-Star game. So that's my two picks for Orioles All-Stars for this year, right now, at this moment. I think as far as potential multiple-time All-Stars on the team right now, Rutschman, again, seems like a no-brainer. It seems like he should be able to do this year in and year out, be kind of a perennial American League All-Star. I think that uh, Cedric Mullins, by virtue of already having one All-Star appearance, well, all-star roster under his belt could easily get a second one. He would probably need to do a little bit better this year, but he could do that or he could do better next year or the year after. And I think that could make him a multiple time all-star. And you know what? I'm still a believer in Gunnar Henderson. I think that if he is able to get 
closer to his prospect hype, he's going to be a guy who can easily get multiple all-star rosters under his belt as well. Admittedly, he is not on that track for the 2023 season right now. So that's what I'm thinking for all-stars for the 2023 Orioles at this moment. If you would like to have a question answered or a topic discussed on this show, you can email me, camdencastpod at gmail.com. Moving on to the prospect of the episode, this is from my composite top 20 Orioles prospect list that's posted on camdenchat.com. If you want to spoil yourself about who's to come, I took five publications lists, averaged them together. That's the composite. Today, we're talking about number 16, Max Wagner. Wagner was as high as number 14 on a couple of the lists and as low as number 21, so he came out at number 16 on the composite list. Wagner is a third baseman. He was drafted by the Orioles last year at number 42 overall, although that was still made him the third player chosen in that draft. I think probably they picked him because he hit 27 home runs in 58 games for Clemson as a draft-eligible sophomore. He turned 21 years old a month after the draft. As far as his draft prospect status before he was taken by the Orioles, uh, MLB Pipeline had him at number 66, so maybe a little bit of an overdraft by the Orioles, but again, I think they probably were believers in the power and thought that meant uh, that it was worth taking him at that place. Uh, MLB Pipeline said about Wagner, quote, He has at least plus raw power, though he creates it with strength more than bat speed. He's a capable defender at third base with good body control, decent range, and solid arm strength. He needs to improve his consistency on defense. End quote. So, you know, not bad. Uh, That's not the kind of scouting report that gets you a first-round pick, and sure enough, he wasn't. He was a second-round pick. But if you've got something really going for you, like power and You can be good at the hot corner on defense as a college performer. Well, you know, that'll get you taken in the second round, and sure enough. So his 2023 stats so far, and I'm not including uh, any Tuesday stats. So he played 29 games going into Tuesday. He's batted so far this season 191 with a 304 on on-base percentage and a 381 slugging percentage. On the whole... That's not a very exciting set of results for the high A uh, Aberdeen level for a guy who was drafted last year. But if you want to look at the silver lining, Max Wagner did not reach base at all in the first five games he played this year, but he has posted an 836 OPS since those first five games. So that's a whole lot better, right? If If you're over 800 OPS and keeping in mind that Aberdeen is usually not a great environment for the hitting prospects in the organization. So to have done that since the first five games is good. Of course, you can't just take a guy's stats and say, well, if you don't count this time where he really sucked, then he's better. That's not how it works. But if you can sketch out a story of consistent improvement, which maybe Wagner has done, maybe he hasn't, I am certainly not in a position to know, Uh, then you can maybe believe in that a little bit more. As far as a future role for Wagner, it's so hard to say because there's so many guys ahead of him in the infield. You know, it's it's a whole infield, literally at AAA Norfolk right now, and that's not even the complete 
set of guys. Uh, you know, even in the third base mix, you've got Kobe Mayo at Bowie, and it's uh, it's just such a crowded crowded mix. I I I really think it it just feels like it's a necessity almost that some of these infielders are going to get traded in July or the first couple of days of August this year because the deadline I believe is uh not not July 31st but a little bit into August. So it it you know, they got to get a good starting pitcher, right? And they've got all these infielders. Somebody's got to want one of these guys, I guess. So I don't know if that means well Wagner's going to get uh be one of the ones to get traded. Is he going to kind of move up the depth chart because somebody at a higher level gets traded? I don't know. Uh, he might not move up the depth chart because if he keeps hitting 191, then he's not going to be all that exciting of a prospect to the Orioles or to any other team such that he would have trade value in the first place. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I'm honestly almost kind of impatient in some ways to get to July and August to start to see what kind of decisions the Orioles are going to make with you know, the two-month sprint to end this season in mind. I'm trying to not be so impatient that I don't, you know, enjoy the fact that they're 27 and 15 right now without having traded for anyone noteworthy over the offseason. Their one acquisition, well, excuse me, they made two acquisitions in getting uh, Cole Irvin and James McCann. Neither has moved the needle very much uh, so far this year. In fact, If they've moved the needle, it's kind of been in a negative direction. Irvin was no good at all through three starts before getting banished to Norfolk. McCann, he is is a non-hitting backup catcher. Despite this, the Orioles sometimes put him in the designated hitter spot. I don't understand why, and I don't really feel like getting into that rant right now. So, you know, I'm going to try and end on a positive note, which is, again, namely, the Orioles are 27-15, and That's pretty freaking good. 104 win pace for the year. I sure hope they can keep, well, you know, they're not going to keep 104 win pace going. But hopefully when they settle down, they're on like a 95 win pace. I think that would be a whole lot of fun, although it would probably not be enough to win the AL East with the Rays being what they are. That's all I've got for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. Thank you. New episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Friday, hopefully with a couple of good Orioles games to talk about that have been played between now and then. In between now and then, you can also leave a comment for me on Camden Chat or tweet at me at Camden Chat on Twitter. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.